In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. So, so I, I know we talked about a lot of good things as well as movies that we've been watching, uh, but the Browns in this post-game edition, a winner 13-3 over the Baltimore Ravens. Now three games to go. New Orleans next week will be the final home game of the season. Daryl, there are some little things we can nitpick on for sure. And one of them is Cade York. Now you tell me and you explain this to me, especially when Baltimore has one of the best kickers that's ever played in the game and he missed one and had one blocked. How much did the weather affect the kicking game today? I don't, I don't think a lot. Um, York told us after the game, he has to go back and watch it, but he doesn't believe that the weather was a factor. Um, Justin Tucker, obviously. I wrote this in my top takeaways. This was absolutely not the Justin Tucker passing the torch to Cade York game. It was not. Um, give Jordan Elliott credit uh, getting up there to uh, get a paw uh, on the Tucker field goal and him and him missing before halftime like that. It's just stuff you never see from Justin Tucker because he's just that reliable and you just take for granted how good um, he is. But yeah. It, it's disappointing that your fourth round draft pick kicker couldn't put a game away for you. Like that's the whole reason you got the fourth round pick uh, for him. And uh, you know, we'll see how he bounces back from it, but I just, for as great as it and fun as it is to watch him make the long kicks, Andy kid is very inconsistent. And you can say, well, he's a rookie, so rookie kickers are, you know, inconsistent. But I just, I don't know. He's he's not been he's not been good enough for me. Um, he here's where he's at this year. Inside thirty yards, he's perfect, five for five. Thirty to thirty-nine yards, he's seven of ten. Those he should be ten for ten. Sorry. Um, 40 to 49, six of eight. Okay, that probably sounds about right. And then 50 plus, he's four to seven. Uh, extra points. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know that he's been what we thought he was going to be yet. And the argument is he's a rookie. But my thing is, use the fourth round pick on him. Yeah, it doesn't feel real good right now. Um, we'll and this worked. I mean, he's getting exposed to the elements here and kicking in the elements here. So, you know, um, I guess that's the pot. That's the glass half full is that he is getting an opportunity to kick in these elements and get used to it or whatever. He's not going anywhere. They're not cutting him. Not as long as Andrew Berry's the GM. Because, uh, like I said, the best job security you can have is to be drafted by Andrew Barry. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I just kind of expected more of him this year than, than what we've seen to date. And, and, um, the long kicks and warm ups and stuff are fun to watch and that, but got to put teams away when you, when you're sent out there to put a team away, you got to do it bottom line. So, um, I'll be interested to hear. Mike Prefer's breakdown of those missed kicks, you know, uh, 
you know, is it plant foot? Is it the, you know, swing through on the ball? Uh, again, York said field conditions, weather, not a factor. Well, I give him credit for saying that. I, and then the other part of the story is, I'm sorry, but when I saw Greg Joseph kick the game winner today for Minnesota, do you happen to catch that? By the way, um, worst loss, Browns to the Jets or Colts blowing a 33-0 lead and losing to the Vikings? I think that was a historic loss. Wasn't that the greatest? Yeah, I, I thought the, I heard somebody the, say that was the biggest loss in NFL, in NFL history. Yeah. So which is worst in NFL history. Yeah. Worst loss of the year. Browns or Colts? Oh, Colts. I mean, that thing was over. It was 33-0 at halftime. I had to self-report myself to old takes exposed on Twitter because I made a crack that the Viking ship was going full Titanic today. <laughs> you know, the best part about it, and I'm sure that Meredith can, can back me up, that if anybody was listening to the network pregame show, they had coverage like that of nobody. I mean, I got to tell you, one thing we do really well on the pregame show on the network side is uh, giving scores of games that are currently like if there's a game in London, we are all over it because we know that people want to get up to speed on a game that, you know, they're getting ready for the Browns game. But so they don't really want to watch the game. They just want to know what the score is. So we take care of them, taking care of all the fantasy folks out there that want to know exactly what they want to hear. So I just, I'm just, I don't know. I think that's something we can be pretty proud of. So, and I feel absolutely hundred percent. Andy. Um, all right. So Daryl, uh, <laughs> Where are we going with this thing now? Because you know what's going to happen? They're going to end up, I'm sorry, they're going to end up 9-8 and when it's all said and done. And we're going to go back and look at this thing and go, wow. Wow, 9-8. and They just missed. It's going to go right back to the year they won 10 games. Wasn't it 10 games in Indianapolis? All they had to do was play halfway decent and not die the last week of the season like they did and the Browns would have been in the playoffs. Or am I confusing two years? So what happened was the in 2007 – the Browns won the wrong 10th game. They went to Cincinnati. That's when it was like 50 mile an hour wins. And the Browns decided to throw it 50 times that day with Derek Anderson. They lost to the Bengals. And then in week in the, uh, I think it was week 16 or 17, whatever it was back then in the regular season finale, the Browns beat the 49ers for their 10th win. And then the Colts, they needed the Colts to win on Sunday night football. And the Colts decided to play their backups. And that's why the Browns missed out on the playoffs. And that is why you never, ever put your fate in the hands of somebody else. And the Colts basically gave the, the Browns the, uh, your number, your number one salute with their performance <laughs> that night. Yeah. Thanks Indianapolis. Appreciate you. I, yeah, I I've never forgot that game. Have you ever forgot that game? I'm not forgetting that game anytime soon. Oh no. It's why, it's right, why, Darryl, every, so, why every time the Browns play the Colts, they should stick the boots to them. Pay well, back. They should. And how about the fact that, you know, like I was kind of happy for Jeff Saturday there for a minute. And then anybody that was listening he's to some so national, he, he's, he's there so was somebody that was just laying into Jeff Saturday today when I was, there was a national former player was killing him, killing him. Yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, could you imagine me on the podcast after the Browns blew a 33 nothing lead to lose in overtime? I would have, like, you would have had to call the paramedics because I probably would have gone apoplectic and had a coronary like during the podcast. Uh, that would be like, what, it would have a been normal me, podcast? I, like today I, they won, so you're not going to be that way, but otherwise. Well, no, it would have been me after the Jets lost times a thousand. <laughs> <laughs>
right? Uh, so let, let me let me bring up this last point because I think this is a good one. Donovan Peoples Jones. Do we feel like we now have two really strong wide receivers? Do you feel 100%. like like that? Hundred percent. I do too. Hundred percent. Yep. And the fact that Deshaun Watson was able to hit guys that we had never heard of today, I thought that was an interesting take too. That he was the, he was distributing the ball and distributing the wealth to names that we just you had never heard before. And like all of a sudden, I was like, man, this is pretty fun. I like learning a new guy in every play. <laughs> I didn't know he was on the team. Yeah, he's got a uniform and everything. Um, well, that's good. Eight different guys. Of white walls. You are going to pull this stuff. stuff. At least you could have said you were the Patriots or the Buccaneers versus the team that was good. Um, thank you, Jake Taylor. Uh, you know, eight different Browns caught passes. Yeah, Baldwin, two catches for 25 yards. Uh, Demetric Felton caught a pass for five yards. Michael Woods caught a pass for four yards, was targeted twice. Holy crap, Kareem Hunt caught a pass for three yards. What would have they done without those three yards? Um, Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, a combined eight catches for each for 89 yards. Um, it's like those those two guys are the old reliables. You know, I'm, yeah, that, that's how I look at that. And, and Njoku, too. Njoku had three catches for 28, uh, and they overshot him. Uh, in the end zone, he wanted a flag. And by the way, I do think that that should have been pass interference in the end zone. I don't know. Or, we went, uh, Jamal that just was a little too much contact for me. He kind of pushed him a little. I thought. I don't. They I let know, yeah, a little too much letting him play. You know, I I'm know. right. I, I, I thought it was interference too, but he didn't want to. We were arguing about it. He's like, no, it's not interference. I was like, all right, well, you played and I didn't. So I'll let you have this one. I, it was something holding illegal contact, not yeah. Um, but yeah, like the like the distribution. Uh, Watson's willing to go with the the guy that's open or you know that he sees, and that's obviously a good trait uh, <clears throat> in your starting quarterback. But I mean, did you see Deshaun at the end of the game? By the way, I did not. After, after no. he took the took the final knee to uh, run out the rest of the clock. Really, really let it go. Oh, coming back towards the other end zone and just kind of put his arms up in the air and was excited and happy that play. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Where he, he you could see he was, yeah, you know, just all the emotion was coming out of him. Um, How'd you think the crowd was for him? It was fine. Yeah. There, there was no, yeah. There, I mean, they, they went nuts when he went on his first scramble, for, I think for like 15 yards or whatever. The place went nuts. It's exactly, it's exactly the reception I thought he was going to get. I, I, yeah. It, it never, I got asked this in, uh, uh, on our sister station in Baltimore this week about, you know, is he going to get booed by the home fans? I'm like, well, no, he's not. And the only way he gets booed by the home fans is if he plays like crap, you know, if he just does not play well, that's the only way I could see him getting booed, but it really no. feels like it's about football now. It is. It is. It, and, um, I I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. It, it it's about football. It's how it's about how he's playing and performing. And uh um I, I think now that this game's out of the way, you know, the first home game, I, I think that mentally for him, because he is a human being, let's let's remember right. this. And there's a 
you know, mental aspect to this. Joe Thomas raised it when he was on with our morning show uh, Friday leading up to the Ravens game. I, I thought Joe had some tremendous insight into the mental aspect of being uh, a, a player. But um, I, I think now Deshaun is going to be able to just be feel more comfortable about the football aspect of things. And he's got, you know, he's gotten the rust knocked off of him a little bit. Um, he was sacked three times again today. But he's a guy that gets sacked. Let's remember that. Typically, your mobile quarterbacks will get sacked a lot because they're extending plays. And listen, even, it, you know, people have to understand, you know, people think of sacks is just you're, you're dropped in the pocket. But if the quarterback extends the play and is stopped short of the line of scrimmage outside the tackle box near the sidelines, it's a sack. You, you know, so um, he does get sacked a lot in, in, in that regard. But yeah, I, I just feel like he's been able to take some hits. He got to play in the cold weather that we talked about that narrative going into the game. Uh, I asked Kevin Stefanski about it, and I think Kevin wanted to give me the middle finger when I asked the question. Um, but it was a narrative. Just to let you and, know you're number one. Yeah, you know, uh, but I just, you know, I, I think that he, I, I thought he performed well. Did he Did he put up superstar numbers? No, but, like, you're not putting up superstar numbers in lousy, cold conditions. He did a great job managing the game, managing the offense, Limited offensive mistakes. Um, you know, they made the plays when they had to make them. And, you know, like I said, really the only disappointing thing that I think you can say about the game, other than it, the final score was 13 to three, is the fact that the Browns didn't deliver a knockout punch. That's it. But hey, you beat the Ravens in December, you damage their uh, chances to win the division. Uh, Cincinnati, by the way, should be sending all kinds of goodies to 76 Lugrosa Boulevard this week because the Browns single-handedly now put the Bengals in the driver's seat to win the AFC North. All right, Daryl, that'll do it. Uh, this is the post-game edition of the Ravens game. Again, the Browns beat the Ravens 13-3 to for our amazing producer, Meredith Kane, who puts up with us each and every week, at least three times a week during the regular season and twice during the offseason. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast. We will drop again on Tuesday morning.